0: Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top.
1: Hello, everyone. Edwin Frondozo here. Welcome to another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. I'm happy to introduce today's guest and friend, Paul Tashima. Paul is the co founder and CEO of Nudge AI, a modern sales platform that uses artificial intelligence to provide sales teams with actionable insights into their target customers. He is a successful technology executive who runs services, customer success, account management, support, and product management teams. As part of Eliqua's executive team, Paul helped lead the company from zero to over 100 million in revenue then through IPO and a successful acquisition for $957 million by Oracle. Paul is a firm believer that company culture trumps strategy every time, and that storytelling is an essential part of creating a business. He has a successful track record as a leader with a strong focus on sales and customer engagement. Today, I'm sure we will be taking a deep dive into artificial intelligence, sales platforms, and becoming a thought leader in the industry. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks for having me, Edwin. Awesome. Well, first off, like I said, I know you're pretty busy running that. So I really appreciate your time for joining us today. But before we get started, why don't we start off a little bit about yourself. Share to us who you are and and what you like to do.
0: Well, I am uh, first and foremost a father and a husband. So um, I have two great kids. And um, when I'm not doing startup time, I'm spending all my time with them. I'm an average sports enthusiast, you know, I play tennis, ski, um, basketball, what you name it. I love sports and uh, I also love helping grow the Toronto ecosystem and startup scene.
1: Yeah, that's great. You're pretty active and and I know knowing you for a bit now and and being a father and running a startup, I I have lots of tips I need to grab from you as that balance because I just have a nine-year-old daughter as well, so definitely learning this balance and, and and how to end the challenge that come with it. But it's great. No regrets. I love it. It's amazing being a father. So let's just jump in. I know you're running an awesome startup. So tell us about Nudge AI, uh, your specific role, and what you're trying to accomplish yourself and with the company.
0: Well, uh, Steve Woods, who's the co-founder of mine, and we did both did the last company i put together as well. And I think we started off with a vision to bring the business world closer together one nudge at a time. And I think the idea is that in this day and age, everyone's network has exploded with all these really, really weak connections. But the best salespeople really leverage those relationships they have to help add value to customers, help add value through the buying process, and really have become that quarterback for the customer. And I think that our vision is to help every salesperson, every professional, better leverage their network as they uh, go through their career and go through business.
1: And in terms of the artificial intelligence part, I, I know it was it was fairly big news. And I know the product firsthand. I've I been trying out your platform for the last two years or so since, since you launched it. But I know the AI portion is, is fairly new or, or a fairly new launch. And can you tell me how that will help the, the sales representatives or the sales, the ca- account executives in terms of leveraging um, what they have right now?
0: Absolutely. So if you can think about AI, first off, one of the things we've recently learned, and by the way, thanks for being a Nudge user, Edwin, and being a big supporter. Um, you know, we're almost at 10,000 users now on our free product. And what we have learned uh, in tracking almost 16 million different relationships is that almost 90% of those relationships are noise. In other words, they're not as real and as substantive as, as the types of relationships you do business with. So part of what AI does is help us weed out the real relationships from the ones that are just really mere connections or followers. And then what we do is we surface insights around the people and the companies that you have those relationships with to help you as a salesperson with reasons to engage. Um, and so it's really about understanding those insights and understanding the real relationships that can help you that the AI is focused on.
1: That's awesome. I mean, every sales executive should be Trying to look for that edge, especially in a hyper-competitive market, depending on what vertical or space or product you're offering. So thank you for bringing that to the market. I definitely love it. I need to utilize it and really leverage my network as well. And I know Nudge has been helping that as well. One thing I was interested you know, studying and looking into more of your leadership methodologies and your theories is when you launched Nudge, you wanted to lead it as a product first approach. Uh, can you tell us why why that was important to you?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, there's a great quote, a friend of mine, Byron Dieter, who's a VC at Bessemer Ventures, uh, said uh, last year that the best product is finally starting to win, meaning that, um, you know, it's not just all about marketing and sales and the best marketing and sales driving product adoption, the product itself needs to market. Look at success stories like Slack or Intercom and so two things have happened. One is that I think that you can take a much more product led strategy now in a B2B environment uh, because users expect uh, to want to be able to try something out before they buy it. I think the second is is that uh, and something that I would call is consumerization of the enterprise Users also expect products to be as simple to use as an app on your phone. And so uh, both those things led us to take a strategy that put the product first, even though it's hard to do well. And we certainly are seeing the benefits of that uh, now that we are out in the market.
1: And it's great to look at things as a product first strategy and, and having the best product out there. I mean, in our space with Slingshot, it's hyper competitive against, you know, we have competitors that have millions, even Multi million dollars worth of budget, so we always focus as well as product and ensuring that we're providing the best product to our customers as well. So that's definitely something we I line up with you as well. So that's great. So tell me, I just really want to dive in here because you're you're part of a high growth startup, and in the past, being part of Eloqua, which was also a high growth, but and taking the revenue to 100 million, I'm really interested to know about that experience specifically. And as the company grew, you also had to grow as a leader in the company. So I want to find out what were your challenges and who did you turn to as as your role changed and as the company grew?
0: Yeah, you know, I think that um, a couple things. One is that the one thing that's common to all startups in any space, uh, any stage, any vertical is that, you know, it's really the hardest part about scaling a business is scaling the people part. So you kind of look at that zero to 20 people as that, you know, family style startup. Um, you know, 20 to 40 or, or, or 50, you've kind of got to get, um, you know, some other different executive managers in there. And then from, you know, 40 to over 100, you've got to figure out, about how do you get a, a layer of management that can scale the business, um, to the next level? And it's probably one of the hardest transformations is going to that next phase. And so there's some principles certainly I used a lot. Um, some I learned, some I got taught by some great mentors I had out there. One being my ex CEO Joe Payne, and really the first thing is that you know I, I find that great managers can get teams to do great things, but great leadership is about how they feel when they've done those things. So how so how are they um, getting motivated and inspired beyond to just do the job they've been asked to, but to do more? And so spending a lot of time working with the team, putting them first, and and certainly sometimes even putting them first before customers was a big part of the philosophy we focused at at Eloqua.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So, you put a lot of those principles into place now at Nudge?
0: Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, I think there's a couple things, even as a smaller group, uh, that we focus on uh, making sure that we are doing something as simple, for example, as one on one meetings with all the direct reports and making sure they have it's their meeting, they get to run it, and they get to talk about the challenges they face. I think all the things about bringing together the team around and transparency around what we're trying to do, when we fail, when we succeed. And not trying to overtell the story, other than what we're doing today. I think there's lots of different techniques to keep the team this small engaged. I think it's a little challenging as you get bigger. And, and certainly one of the big things I learned was a constant need to communicate simple things clearly, time and time again, to make sure that everyone feels they're they're sort of marching in the same direction.
1: Right. How large is the organization now? How how big is your team?
0: So we have uh, 19 people in the team. Um, and are looking to hire fairly aggressively this year now that we're out with our, our revenue product. So looking forward to get to uh, a bigger group and, and, and do great things with customers this year.
1: So it's safe to say you had the bracket from zero to 20 on the family side. So your leadership may change or the dynamics might change as well as, as the company grow. A lot of people are are stepping up in within your team to to do what you did, right, to replicate it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we Steve and I wanted to start a culture here at Nudge It's a little bit of learnings from Eloqua and we call it kind of bet on people times two. So the, the, the culture around that really is one. We are obviously in a space where, you know, your network is your net worth. So this idea that business is done on relationships and we want people to value their network and their relationships. So betting on the fact that's important for business was a huge piece of the culture. And then the second time is, second thing is that we want to really invest in people. And, And I'll give you a very specific example. You know, at Eloqua, Um, There are lots of great people, great executives, great people brought in, but sometimes we erred on the side of bringing someone in who's done it 10 times instead of doubling down on someone who's maybe not done it 10 times but has a good shot. And I feel that, you know, the thing that I learned is sometimes someone who's done it 10 times doesn't want to do it the 11th time. They don't have the same passion and energy as someone who maybe has done a little bit of the job, maybe it'd be a stretch, maybe they really have to be pushed to get to that executive role. But it's often good to give them that chance, and so I think we're gonna be a little more leaning towards giving people an opportunity to really succeed, uh even though maybe riskier for the business in some way because they haven't done it before and so that's certainly part of the mantra we have here at nudge.
1: that's great insight in terms of uh, in terms of developing your team and your culture as well uh i mean i I tend to agree with the person the executive that's done it ten times. Not only that they may not want to do it the eleventh time; they're probably not coachable either, or, or or they have their way set in stone, and you may have to work with that all star to fit your culture in it, and, and probably will bump heads as well. And uh, that that's really great insight in terms of really developing and grading that. I, I read your article you wrote last year it was about um the company culture trumping strategy every time. It was amazing how you listed going from how we do things and our nudgeisms it, it was pretty amazing that you put that out there. And and do, I think you updated it in 2016. Are you looking to update that again?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I wrote that post because I think, and you know, a lot of people think culture is like a set of values you post in a PowerPoint slide. I shouldn't say a lot of people think that that's sometimes what happens is that you post these, you know, integrity, honesty, trust, all this stuff. And, and really culture is built on the things you do every day. Um, and, it really starts with at the, not only at the leadership level, but also at the end user and, and employee level. Because if you don't do what you say you're going to do um, when no one's looking, then your culture really isn't what you think it is. And I think the reason why we like storytelling so much is that shared values are part of what comes out through a storytelling experience. And then I find often that if you are telling stories about, let's say you want a culture on customer success and you start telling all these great customer success stories, find that people who don't have those stories want to go create them for themselves so then they go try and help customers be successful so they can have their own stories to tell and so there's this sort of viral effect of the culture through storytelling that's really helped support it in any organization
1: and that becomes viral as well especially if uh your culture of storytelling and, and people love working for nudge then it also it's it's double triple effect as well and everyone's happy Yes, Great. I know I started a bit on terms of the Eloqua part, but I guess which is really interesting within your experience of leadership is not only having that experience of growing Eloqua to $100 million revenue and more, but also being part of the team, taking it to an IPO and then followed by an acquisition. What was your biggest learnings? from that and what are you taking away from that as well as you're as you're building and looking at nudge as well is obviously you could see you've seen an exit as well
0: I think I mean my biggest learning is is that you know things take time and a lot of hard work and you go, and if you really believe in something and you see some bright spots of where it's working well you just need to be so focused and determined to drive that through it's it's almost I think one is maniacal like the focus level you need because there's going to be so many challenges. I mean, at Eloqua, we went through two market crashes, 2001 and then 2008. And In 2008, we had to let go 20% of our staff in one day just to try and make sure that we could secure runway. And, you know, all those things are really tough times. Uh, but we stayed focused and stayed true to what we wanted to do, and it, and it ended up being successful. And, you know, that was a long 13 years. Um, at Nudge, different set of circumstances, different market time. But still need that same focus. I mean, yes, Steve and I are a little more experienced, know a little more, have a better network, probably have more capital at our disposal now than before, but it's just as hard in different ways. And there's lots of competition. And I always worry that there's someone else out there working harder than me. (laughs) (laughs) And so how do we just continue to push and focus to deliver value to customers?
1: Awesome. I mean, in terms of keeping focus within your team and within your organization now, How are you setting aside those key essentials within the team and focus? Are there like, I I think you mentioned you guys do daily uh, one-to-ones all the time. Is that on a monthly basis? Do you have team meetings? And and, and how are you ensuring that everyone's on the same page in the organization? I mean, being 19 employees, it's still fairly small. So everyone's on the same page, but how are you instilling that and looking to scale? And I mean, you mentioned you're growing as well this year.
0: Um, it, it's a good question. I think that, yeah, there's different cadence of things we do. We, we try not to have too many internal meetings, but um, we do have different cadence of one-on-ones and group meetings and town halls and stuff like that so that we can get people on the same page as the results of the business. I think the key is um, trying to always get the perspective of the market and the customer. So uh, sales, understanding, making sure there's a regular Uh, communication regular stories being told about what it's what's happening as we're going through sales engagements with new potential customers and at the same time exposing the truth of while customers are using our product all the good stuff and all the bad stuff at the same time and so keeping that very tight and very regular with the group i think keeps us focused on where we want to deliver Um, i also think we've hired customer success pretty aggressively earlier than than maybe some others and that adds more voices to the table from the customer side of the house versus just a sales-only voice. For example, many startups focus on that first.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think recently you posted something on why why you hired a director of customer success. Is that more so to to that point as well?
0: Well, yeah, I think your first few customers. I mean, you need customers to have customer success, but that you know, I'm the number one salesperson right now, and so, but once you have customers, I mean, every one of those first few customers are super precious. Not just for obviously their revenue, but more importantly, to learn and really get the feedback directly as they're pushing that through their internal processes and trying to get value from the product. And I think that there's no better sort of pseudo product manager than a dedicated customer success person and talking at both the champion level, the user level, and the executive level at a customer.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely keeping your ears to the ground having a, a person on that. I guess I'm going to bring it. Bring it to, to more on your personal side. I mean, growing a startup, I mentioned earlier, it's super challenging. Uh, a lot of things happening. I mean, you're, you're losing sleep. now. you're not losing sleep wondering who's working harder. But you have, you have two children. You're active. So how, how do you find balance? And, and how do you set examples and expectations to your team as well for that?
0: I think balance is probably – I don't think anyone has figured out how to do balance into a startup. I think that the, for me, it's about uh, choices and – I would say that, first off, I probably work a lot smarter than I did before. Um, I, I definitely don't work the sheer hours I did before. That's just not possible at this stage of my life. But um lot smarter, and I, if I can't figure something out, I have someone I can ask for help. And probably before, I just bang my head against a wall until I figured it out or did it wrong 10 times. And so I think that that allows me to be really effective in the time I do spend. I think the other thing I've learned is, um, and, you know, and I was just away from my family last week sponsoring at a conference, is that it's really important that when I'm with them, I'm very present. And I think that that's probably more important than just spending a lot of time with them is that when I am there, I'm very present and available versus, you know, checking my phone every five seconds or, you know, maybe some of the tactics I used to do to try and stay on top of things. So I think for me, it's just about choices and making sure that when you're with your when you're not working, you're not working.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome Uh, feedback as well. What's your best tip you could share of staying present with your family? Because I know for me, my, my daughter's super young now, so she needs mom more than me right now. So I'm still sort of checking things all the time, but what's your biggest thing? Uh, Do you leave your phone? Like, how do you do that?
0: You know, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't put my phone away. I have my phone on me probably at all times. But I think I do a simple technique. At, um, so you know, as I mentioned, I, I, I love sports, and you know, a lot of people talk about visualization in sports and like looking forward and seeing yourself do whatever you're trying to do, whether it's hit a baseball, take a perfect golf swing, whatever. And so, what I do every week, and I do every night before every day, is I visualize my week. So I go into my calendar. And I look through and I not just not tactically planned, but I say, well, what do I want to accomplish this week? What's happening on the different days I need to be mentally prepared for? And then I do the same thing every night before the next day. And so what that allows me to do is to manage things that come out of nowhere better. And those are the types of things typically that affect your ability to maintain it, some sort of balance. As if something happens out of nowhere that either you forgot or you weren't prepared for, and all of a sudden you have to change plans or do something else. And so I really focus on that discipline, of that forecasting the week and then forecasting each day in my brain so that I'm on top of it when I'm doing those things and keeping the week in perspective.
1: That, that, that's, that's great practice. Are you doing that in the evenings before the week? or?
0: Um... Yeah, I would do it Sunday night for the week and then every night for the next day. so how, It doesn't take that long. No,
1: but, I was going to ask, how, how, how long are you dedicating for this? Five minutes, 10 minutes? Yeah, it's
0: just a five, 10 minute thing of just looking through your calendar, making sure you know what's going on, make sure the important things are there. Um, if you have a, a to-do list, just making sure the important things are at the top and just really being disciplined about it.
1: That's great. No, that, that's good practice as well. I, I don't think I do it every evening, but it's definitely something I need to implement personally. In terms of Leading your team with that balance as well, how are the expectations with with your team and and how they look to you as as being the leader, and ensuring that if Paul is balanced and he's not so stressed, how do, how do we handle that and how do we still push for all our aggressive goals as well?
0: Well, I mean it, to say that I'm not stressed is probably an incorrect statement, uh, <laughs>
1: but maybe I mean, looking not stressed.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I look, look. People join a startup they, because they know they're gonna they want to. They're passionate about something and they want to work hard at it because they enjoy it. And so I think the most important thing it gets back to that first thing I said about leadership is that am I creating an environment where people feel good about the things they're doing, even if sometimes they're hard things? Um, because if you feel good and feel you're learning and feel you're adding value to either the customer or to the company, then you're willing to put in the extra effort. The second thing is that I, I'd say the number one most important thing when hiring someone at a startup is finding the right motivation alignment between what they want to do and what you need them to do. And it's actually more important than skills because you can teach skills. It's hard to teach someone who's unmotivated to become more motivated um, in in an environment like a startup where lots of things have to get done. And so I think that to your point, how do I keep the team motivated? Well, the first thing I do is when I'm interviewing people, I try and make sure that their motivations are aligned with what we want to do here. Um, That's the first thing.
1: That's awesome. No, that's great, and you definitely need to take the time right off the first interview to ensure that it's aligned there. Because if it's not aligned, it's, it's bound to fail, I guess. I guess. I mean, now that we're talking about your team, a little fun question: If I were to ask your team right now, what is the best leadership quality that you possess? What would they say?
0: You know, I think um, I think I think two things. I think they they think that I do I do really value their time. And really want to invest in them, their growth here at the company. I think that'd be something that a lot of the people would say that that's something that I I really try and deliver on. I think the other thing is, um, so I have this I have this sort of process where I tell them, listen, at any given time, you know, as a founder, I've been here the longest with Steve, and so we know everything about the product, and know everything about potential customers and existing customers, and so it's almost like I don't want to micromanage something if they need help but I can become part of their team if they need help. So in other words, I take off my CEO hat sometimes and say, look, you need help on this customer, put me on the team. You're still running the, the play, like it's your, you own that, uh, but I can be part, valuable part of the team and take direction on what you need me to do to help. And so this idea of being able to take my hat off, not micromanage it because they own it, but at the same time help them is something that, you know, I try and do regularly when needed. Oh, that's
1: awesome! You really just get your hands dirty and and provide that extra support to them and, and giving them the trust as well. I, I mean, having coming from what you think they would say, what what do you think is the most le- important leadership trait that you have? Is would it line up as the same thing as well? I
0: I think so. I I think that the those two things are the things I focus on, and I think they would probably say that uh, about me. Um, you know, I've I've run large teams and small teams, and I think. Um, at the end of the day, the most important thing is giving them your time and making sure that they know that you're the priority. So even simple things like, you know, if you have a scheduled one-on-one, don't move it around all the time during the week because you have more important things to do. It's all those little things to show that their time is valuable as much as your time and you're investing in them. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And, you know, one of the things I used to tell some some early on managers, because I find that people don't realize how much of ma- of sort of leadership and management is just about dealing with stuff that comes up, right? It's you can't forecast it. Things just happen, and people need time. And so, getting upset about that as a manager, as a young manager, is 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 the wrong thing. You got to expect it. Like that's your job. Your job is to help your team, and so you you work for them. And so, making them successful makes you successful. And so, just spending that time is so critical.
1: Awesome. That's great. I mean, we talk a lot about leadership and who you are within within your organizations. But h- how are you continuing to grow as a business leader? Like, what do you do or who do you turn to?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, I belong to a founders forum with some great founders around Toronto. And we, we meet, you know, every month and, and talk about a lot of stuff. So I learn a lot from those guys um, and women. And I think that uh, in general, um, I try and stay very open to meeting new people in the network, and whether that's someone who's asking me for help or I'm asking them for help, and I learn a lot through those people that I meet. And sometimes it's small things, sometimes it's big things. So I'll probably end up doing one or two meetings a week that don't necessarily have any short-term return. In other words, it's not like it's a sales call or someone I'm trying to hire. Uh, it may be just someone I met or someone's asked me to talk to someone. And I find that I learn as much in those meetings as anything about what I need to do next, areas of my skill set I need to expand on, um, and other people that I need to engage to learn things from.
1: Well, that's great. So really, just really being open and to anything as well, any, anything that's thrown at you, that the universe throws at you, that's, that, that, that's a great way of learning as well and just not turning things away. A uh, great question I love to ask is: is, what are you reading right now?
0: So this is going to be kind of, kind of sad. Uh, I, I'm probably not reading anything right now. That's as significant. I will say that, um, I do listen to, cause I drive into work. I do listen to audible yep. a lot. Uh, so I just finished off Trish Pertuzzi's sales development playbook. So very business oriented book. Cause we're in that space. Um, we do do an article club once a month. We used to have a book club here, but. No one read the books. Uh, So I changed it to an article club, which means you can, you know, it's 15 minutes to read whatever. And so we read a regular article once in a while, whether it's about artificial intelligence taking over the world or about, um, you know, what's going on with the state of US politics or whatever. It's it's all interesting different types of flavors of things that we read about and then we discuss it as a team.
1: Oh, that's cool. Um, Is that on a weekly, monthly thing right now?
0: It's a monthly basis.
1: Oh, that's great. And and I guess. Is it really strict in terms of a business-related article or could it be personal? Could people bring in personal interest?
0: Oh, yeah. In, in many ways, it's not supposed to be about a business article because we do enough of that. It's, it can be anything. Although sometimes it gets into, since we have a fairly product-heavy team, we get into some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, it's very technical, but like data science and a whole bunch of things, but it, sometimes it's not. It's just, it's just about something that's happening in the world that we find interesting.
1: That's awesome. I, I like that practice. Before, yeah, before we end, I mean, this, this has been great. I've been learning a lot. I just want to get some of your final thoughts, observations, and, and maybe some actionable recommendations that you could share for any future technology leaders who are, who are looking to grow their career.
0: Yeah, I know. Mean, I'll say a couple things. And I think the first for me, probably the biggest change for me between Eloqua and now is me being much more open to meeting people and helping people, even if I don't necessarily know where it's going to go. And being open to meet someone and, and engage with them in a real authentic way and looking for those shared interests is super, super critical. And so I'd say number one is though sound a little a little cliche, your network is your net worth. And so as a as a founder and a leader, you need to be constantly looking ways to expand who you know, especially outside the, the circles that maybe you're comfortable in, because that's where you don't you don't learn as much when you just stay with the same people that you know all the time, right? Um, I think the second for me is in this sort of new environment, especially in Toronto, where there's 6,000 startups, man, it's finding great talent is hard. I mean, there's lots of great talent, but it's, and there there's so many great businesses. You need to be constantly looking out for great talent and, and shifting maybe your priorities if you find them. Um, so, you know, sometimes hiring uh, a role earlier than you would or creating a role that is valuable to the business, but you weren't really thinking about it because you found someone who's a superstar. I think that's the second thing I would I would totally do. And then I think the third is something that I learned in the late late part of Eloqua, as the team got my team got bigger, almost over 100 people, was that you know I was trying to figure out ways to sort of continue to push down ownership more. And so I used this this process, which I think is really straightforward and actionable, where you kind of ask your direct reports. You know, the questions you're asking me in the one-on-one, how do you get your team to ask you the same questions? And and in other words, you're asking me this because you know a certain amount about the business at a certain level, and you have a certain set of concerns and understand the goals we're setting. And so you can ask me that question because it's, it's a problem for you. How do you get your team to ask you that same question, freeing your headspace up to ask me the next question you need to ask, which is sort of one level beyond that? And I find that it's an incredible way to push leadership down levels within an organization in a very way that tangible like something they can actually do and ask themselves because what a, what one of your reports will think is like oh my god for my team to ask me that question they have to know this this have this skill have to do that do that understand this and i haven't taught them some of those things or given them that clarity to ask that question and so it's a real tangible way to push leadership through an organization
1: oh that's that's really cool that's that's amazing insight and uh feedback as well thank you for sharing that so to close paul it's been great but Maybe if you could please tell us where we could find more information about you, your company, Nudge, and anything else you'd love to share.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you can find me on uh, Twitter at p Tashima or on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to connect with most people as long as you're not trying to sell me something on LinkedIn right away. To please check out us also at nudge.ai and love to hear your feedback and thoughts. We do have a free product you can try and use for managing your own network and Let me know anytime if you uh, have any feedback or questions. You can get me at paul at nudge.ai.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Paul. And and for those listening and, and who do want to provide feedback, Paul definitely does respond to awesome feedback and insight in terms of the product and where to take it as well. So thank you again for joining the show, Paul.
0: Thanks for having me, Edwin.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. It was really great to dig deep with Paul. Just learning from where he came from with Eloqua, how he grew as a leader and and how he's growing his startup from the things he's learned from the experience at Eloqua. A lot of good insight, things that I could take home and really instill into what I do and and how I lead my teams as well. So thank you for listening. Again, if you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe on iTunes and leave me a comment. Perhaps let me know what you think about the show and maybe who you'd love to hear from. So until next time, Edwin signing
0: off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.